Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Jackets have made their quest for a third straight playoff appearance a little more difficult down the stretch, to put it mildly. We'll talk about the CBJ and their shot at the playoffs, as well as the Cleveland Monsters, who have made quite the push of their own. All right, with us for this episode, we've got Will Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, what's up? We've got Eric Seeds. Good evening. And joining us, Elaine Shercliffe. What's up? So, the tenor of this podcast has gone kind of <laughs> kind of down since the uh, trade deadline. You can kind of trace just like one of those graphs that fall off. It's actually the same graph of the Jackets playoff chances, incidentally. Uh, last week, not great. Two losses uh, to Calgary and Edmonton. Um, before a 5-0 shellacking of Vancouver on Sunday night. So, right now... I know we say a coin flip almost every week. That's basically what it is right now. They're two behind, two points behind Montreal, five points behind Carolina for that first wild card spot. And Carolina's playing like a house of fire. So let's go around the room. How are we all feeling about the Columbus Blue Jackets right now? I don't really think they're going to make the playoffs at this point. Um, it'd be nice if they did. I just kind of want the regular season to be over at this point. It really, with how inconsistent they've played since the trade deadline, I just kind of want the regular season drama to be over. If they make it, that'd be great. I will always be happy to see this team in the playoffs, especially given how few appearances they have in franchise history. But the drama of the last two weeks, including getting absolutely shellacked by Edmonton last week, just it's not fun anymore. Like, I don't want to, it's hard to get my hopes up after any one game. They're like, oh, this is the game they're finally going to turn it around. Like, yeah, they they beat the hell out of the Vancouver Canucks last night, but does anyone else on this podcast trust the Jackets to come out and put up the same performance against uh, the Islanders or the Canadians later this week? I mean, it's... Nope. I just... It's just frustrating, and whatever happens, the rest of the way happens. Yeah, I echo what Seeds just said, because honestly, okay, sure, they put a nice you know, win together last night, five zip over a Canucks team that is barely hanging on in the West in the wild card race out there. 
Um, and I, I suppose that win, I, I, I pretty much expected they were going to lose just because at this point, it's just the way that things have been going. But um, I'm not really surprised they did get a win finally. And I mean, as much crap as we'll give this team and as much of it is, is deserved, um, I guess, you know, they kind of, I don't know if this is the case for last night, but it kind of feels like, okay, they didn't just win one one zip, two one. It was like a five nothing game in which, you know, they pretty much knew their backs are up against the wall and they are no matter what going forward. But I guess they responded and but you know, we've we've said this before. They have to respond and do it again tomorrow. And I don't trust them to do it because they haven't even scored a goal against the Islanders in their last two games. The Islanders are, you know, they've won I think two in a row since they had a couple of uh bad games last week, but um I don't trust him to beat the Islanders, let alone score a goal on, on Robin Leonard if he's starting. And then, of course, you know, I, I don't really expect them to get in. I mean, yeah, they might, but I know they're only two points out of the wild card, but as, as it's pretty much every time we begin to think that this is going to be their turnaround, this is the same old, same old. So at this point, I'm kind of ready for the season to be over, the regular season. If they get in, we'll, you know, go from there. Yeah, I um. I just don't want to see them get beat in the first round again and then have that team go on to win the Stanley Cup. I'm getting a little tired of that. Um, And then for me, also, it's like selfishness because the Monsters are on a playoff push. And once you guys clinch, um, they're going to start taking guys like Dalby and and, uh, Adam Clendenning up. And we can't lose them (laughs) right now. So... Um, but I mean, really watching them lose in the first round would just be soul crushing at this point. Yeah. And well, it's kind of what you said for me, which is every time we think this team has turned it around or is turning it around, that turns out not to be the case. Calgary. I, I, I recap that game. I watched that game, you know, all right. Calgary is the best team in the West right now. Sure. I'll take that loss. That's fine. Edmonton right. again. We said this last week. If they lose to Edmonton again, yeah. and it wasn't a close game in that one either. I mean, Edmonton and Vancouver are tied for points. Obviously, different dynamics. You have the best player. I mean, if you want to say in the league on Edmonton, sure. But good lord! And then they beat a Van- well. Go ahead. Oh no, I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to add. It's like yeah, okay, Calgary. That I don't know if I would say it was a winnable. I mean, sure, it was a winnable game. Any game can be, but they score the first goal, and I don't know. I, sure, like you said, they're the top team in the West. Okay, fine. But the Edmonton game, like you said, was just a travesty because not only did they lose four to one, but I mean, and again, they had the first goal, which I guess you know whatever they had the first goal, but they gave it up. I think a hundred seconds later. But if you look at um, three of the four goals, I mean, it was like three on one, two on one. It was like. What's happening with the defense here? Corpusalo had pretty much no support. So, I mean, and they're right. The effort was not there because they, not only did they let Edmonton push them around again and score eight goals on them in the season, but, you know, there was just no effort whatsoever. They pretty much, I feel like they quit on the, on those goals they gave up. And to follow up on that, Will, um, it was, what, a tie game going into the third period there? Um, yeah, Edmonton out uh Edmonton had nine high danger chances in the third period and Columbus had a whole total of two. I mean, yeah, it's... this is a team that just beat the beat you into the ground in Nationwide Arena 3 weeks ago and they absolutely just mailed it in there in the third period. In a game they kind of had to have to really stay in the race and, you know, 
stay in a playoff position and they just got their teeth kicked in. I don't understand how this team can be so maddeningly inconsistent on a night to night basis with all the talent they have on this roster. It I fundamentally do not understand. It was also one of the most boring games ever played in the history of the sport there for uh, oh, at least it was so awful. Uh, yeah. I recapped it. That's true. <laughs> I, I just don't understand. So, so having said that they had dinner together they had a beer together, in the words of John Tortorella. So maybe, maybe that's all it took. Yeah, I mean, maybe. They showed it last night, but they got to do it again. And if we take away last week's two games, the Edmonton and Calgary game, they had a nice week before that, which set the tone for the podcast, I think, going into last week. And yeah, who knows? Maybe they beat the Islanders. Maybe they beat Montreal. And it's a whole new thing next Monday, but let's see first. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm skeptical. If a dinner and beer is all it takes, my senior year roommates and I would have beat the 97 Red Wings. So, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> right? But God bless. Maybe they'll do it. I don't know. It's a big week this right. week. Maybe that should be like their new pregame ritual. Yeah, why not? Carolina has their little song and dance after every game. The Jackets should do that before. Yeah. And like immediately before. before. Yeah, just immediately before. Yeah. Right. I mean, they couldn't play any worse. I feel like. <laughs> oh boy. So that that's that was last week. They have a big week. Th- big week this week with um, you know some pretty good teams that that they're gonna have to knock off, including a huge game against Montreal, where which was so fun watching that game go uh, to overtime against Carolina when they just decided to shut it down. Both teams in the final couple of minutes there. Uh, really need to see. And that and that's that's where we are. The season's almost over. There's only a handful of games left. I mean, they gotta at least they have to win the Montreal game. That is absolutely a must win. And you probably yeah. have I don't wanna say you have to win every game this week, but you almost mm-hmm. do. Um you probably have to get three out of four points from the Islanders and uh the Predators on Saturday night, but you without question the season is over if you do not beat Montreal Thursday night because that is a four-point game with your direct competitor for the second wildcard spot. You have to find a way to win that game. And I know Carey Price is going to be in net. It's going to be hard. It The team hasn't played well at home all season, but if there's any night you have to come out like gangbusters, mm-hmm. Thursday night is the night to leave it all on the ice. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, they have if they lose tomorrow... and. You know, obviously, if they lose tomorrow, that's pretty, you know, back to the same all, same all. But they actually get their hopes up again tomorrow and they win tomorrow night. Yeah, the you know, obviously, they have to be Montreal. And, I mean, I, I vaguely remember the first game about a month or so ago um, when I think they were tied late in Montreal, of course. got I, I can't really remember exactly the details, but I know they lost that game in Montreal. And it was like, okay... That was a game that felt somewhat winnable, I guess. But, um, yeah, obviously they need to, you know, like we always say, one day at a time, win tomorrow night. And Montreal, of course, they lose to Florida. They play Florida tomorrow night. So, you know, if Montreal loses that game, it only intensifies Thursday's game if Columbus can actually get at least a point tomorrow night. One story from last week that is going to segue into our Monsters talk uh, with, with Elaine is... The arrival, well, not arrival yet, but the signing of goalie Elvis Merzlikens. This season, 
has not gone according to plan in nearly every way. And this was supposed to be, at least my understanding from, from what we all read and understood was, you know, sign him to a tryout agreement, get him in Cleveland, get him used to pro hockey, the Zach Wierenski model. And Elvis said, thanks, but no thanks. I want to be the fourth goalie on an NHL team. So what do we think about Elvis? So um, at first I was like kind of mad. And then I was like, whatever, we don't need him. We have Baruby and Tyson. And then was it like not even two days later, Baruby goes down with an injury. Yeah. <laughs> I was so <laughs> mad. Like that is the most Blue Jackets organization thing that could happen. Yeah, that's peak. That peak him jackets. not being able to get here. <laughs> right. I mean, I can't really fault him for what he did. I no. guess he, if if you have leverage, you know, by all means, hey, use it. And if he thinks he, if he thinks he can be the guy on an NHL roster and lead the Jackets and play well, just as Sergei Bobrovsky has done, by all means, buddy, you're welcome to come over and try and prove it. But now every eye is going to be on you next year, and you better show up. Yeah, he he's yeah. like insane. Like I not like insane crazy, but like. He, I don't know. He might be. <laughs> yeah, he might be that too. But like, I I've watched some games of his, and I don't. He's like mentally in the game and so focused and so. Just his skill is incredible, but his passion is what gets him. Because if his defense falls apart, he uh, he lets them know, and he gets really angry about it. So I'm curious to see how he plays with our defense that tends to fall apart at the worst times. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I've been really intrigued about Elvis because of what we've been hearing. And I mean, I did think he'd probably play a few games in Cleveland, but Hey, like you said, if he has leverage, may as well come over. And I think it can only help him too to still, um, I guess, be around Bobrovsky, Kincaid, Porvisalo, whatever, you know, be around the NHL guys, um, learn what he can. Um, yeah. I, I, it's, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting because I think uh, Brian Hedger had a tweet about it, about how they had a conference call with him. And they said, you know, if he's good for Columbus, then, you know, it's going to be a really good, or I guess, a fun. It, it almost sounds like Ilya Brzgalov again, as far as kind of like the, the, like you said, the craziness that he kind of brings with him or just the unique um, personality. So, I don't know how he's going to play in the NHL, and that's what I've been curious about because we're already kind of looking forward to seeing what he does, probably with Corpusalo. And I do hope, I mean, I like his confidence and maybe even a little bit of cockiness because I think you kind of need that anyway. But I am excited to see what he can do at the NHL level next year. I, I absolutely agree with you on the attitude, Will. Um, I think for Blue Jackets fans and Blue Jackets players, we've had kind of too little of that attitude, too little of the confidence to say, no, guys, I got this. Um, we've had very few guys in franchise history who've been willing to just say, I can I can be this studying presence. I got this. I'll take care of it. And it's kind of refreshing to see, I guess, in some sort, in some way. Yeah, I agree. Well, that makes me think of like long term look at the future. If you have Elvis and Nett with his, you know, his personality and his kind of intensity you got PLD who never shuts up and is in the face of anybody else wearing a different colored jersey, which I love. 
And I'm glad to see he scored, you know, because he, he had not scored since the trade deadline before Sunday's win against yeah. Vancouver. So him getting on the score sheet is very important. Josh Anderson has a lot of that in him as well. He's not afraid to barrel into a goalie and start fights. And he's honestly one of the better offensive jackets this year. I mean, honestly, he is one of the best offensive jackets this year. So you can start to see the future line up that way a little bit, or at least with those with that, the, that core, if that turns out to be what it is. And that's pretty neat. I just, last week on this podcast, I said the phrase, oh, there haven't been too many fun, drama-free stories after the trade deadline for the Jackets. And this is a fun one. And I mean, I guess it's fun, but just the signing day, we're like, really? Because the way it came out was Portsline's article that was, oh yeah, Elvis is, is saying, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I want an NHL deal. Um, or I'll go to the KHL. Kind of, I mean, not in so many words, but you get the idea. But I guess it's all fine. He took a picture with his his good looking family, and uh, he'll he'll be here soon. So, um, but that's a fun story about this organization. And another fun story about this organization is is happening up the interstate there by seventy one and Cleveland. We talked about this, Elaine, when you were on a couple weeks ago, and it didn't look so hot for the monsters, but they're in it. Yeah, they like to prove me wrong. <laughs> um, everyone I ever talk bad about on that team within two weeks decides to play really well. <laughs> um, so uh, I am very cautiously optimistic about this last stretch towards the end of the season because um, we're in Cleveland and mm. – uh, that that in itself, I mean, I the Cleveland curse is pretty real, um, but it's exciting, and I'm trying not to get too excited. And it's just nice to see them play well. I don't know where this team has been all season. Um, the past three games, they played sixty solid minutes of hockey, all three games, and. Last time I was on, I talked about how it was a handful of times that that had happened leading up to this. Um, so it's definitely fun, but I, it's still losable right now. Like I won't be happy until we clinch. And those were, so to recap, winning against Rochester and then two wins against Hershey, those are not bad teams either. It's not like they were beating Binghamton. I mean, those were some, some solid wins. Yeah, those were solid wins and they were big wins. They were 5 to 2, 5 to 2 and 4 to 1. We scored 14 goals in 3 games. Like yeah. We wanted it. <laughs> and then Columbus scored 5 last night, so it's contagious all of a sudden. Right. <laughs> Can't get our hopes up though. Right. <laughs> the story that a lot of people are excited about, uh the play of Alexandre Texier. He he, he blew up. Five points. He's crazy good. Yeah, scored in his first game. I, what, what, is, what is he thinking? Waiting for the or shooting before the goalie gets in position for a one timer. <laughs> that's not the Blue Jackets' way. I was so worried about him because it was such a tight turnaround, and I didn't know how he was going to adjust to the time change, the the ice size, the team, everything. And we got to talk to him in post game on Sunday and he was just like, yeah, no, it took me like a game and I was fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was like, oh my goodness. And he's like, the time change was nothing. That's just something you have to deal with. So he's mentally there as well. Um, same thing. Someone asked him emotionally what it's like to move across the country so far away, I mean, the world so far away from your family. And he's like, you know, it's not, it's not that bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, you know, I want to play in the NHL and I got to do that if I want to play in the NHL. And I, I was floored because he's, he is just mentally sound and laser focused on making it to the NHL next year. That's so good. And it's so good for the organization to have because that was a big deal at the trade deadline when, I mean, the Vancouver broadcast was making fun of it the other night. Uh, the fact that you know the draft is in Vancouver and the Jackets might as well not even show up. But everybody was like, yeah, okay, they, they traded away those draft picks. But look in the organization, like the guys who are, you know, coming up, at least at forward, the Jackets are, the Jackets are okay. The Jackets are not in a position of weakness here. Yeah, they're, um, I think development wise, we need to get better at working with skilled players. Um, because I think that's ultimately what hurts us. I think that's what hurt us with Sonny. That's what started to hurt us with uh, Sherwood. And, uh, but Texier, I don't think he gives a crap. <laughs> so <laughs> he's still going to do what he knows is the best and go with it. Um, but I, I think we're all right. I'm concerned about our defense in the grand scheme Agreed. of things, though. Agreed. I mean, you're you're facing a scenario. This team, if they don't get Clendenning up, where you're taking Dean Cook and Scott Harrington and Adam McQuaid into the Stanley Cup playoffs against probably Tampa, that's not ideal. Not great, Bob. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty scary. I mean, but at the same time, I'd be afraid to bring up Clendenning. Uh, he took that really bad hit in the Senators game hmm. that was very controversial and everyone was talking about it across all of the hockey world. Um, he just came back this weekend. He was really uh, not with it on Saturday. Uh, Sunday mm -hmm. he was a lot better, but it's still a bit concerning. Um, like what, what goes through a player's mind for them to say like, yeah, sure. I'll be fine to go out on the ice after I probably have a concussion or right. some sort of head injury. But I guess that's just the way it is sometimes. Yikes. Well, Cleveland, the Monsters will host Lehigh Valley this weekend at the Q. Um, and you, you mentioned to us that like fans are showing out. Yeah, the fans are, the fans are incredible. Um, on Saturday, there was 15,000 plus people there. On Sunday, there was 10,000 and 600 dogs. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because <laughs> it was pucks and pod <laughs> night. But I I don't think I've seen a game that was below 3,600 this season. And that was like a Tuesday and the weather was bad. Um, I think our average attendance for the year is around 9,000, which is, is actually really good. Yeah. And the fans are just, um, they're incredible. They are in it from start to finish, there's rarely a time when they leave early. Um, and then and like, personally, they're so amazing to me. Like I had a really rough week outside of hockey and they fans. I didn't even know came up to me and gave me hugs and prayed with me. 
and made sure I was okay and gave me food because they know I like candy. <laughs> like, <laughs> they were just, um, I've never met a fan base like Cleveland sports fans. And they are the epitome of ride or die. Mm -hmm. Like they will go down with the ship if it's with their like dying breath. They will be a true and true fan all the way through. And the players, the players recognize it. Um, Tommy Cross talked about it on Saturday, how incredible it is when you get out on the ice and you see Quicken Loans Arena just full of fans and they're loud and they're all wearing your colors mm -hmm. and um it really powers them and then Texier has only played in front of like four to five thousand people oh, um in yeah. finland yeah and then on the road he he started on the road so in rockford and um chicago and those are smaller arenas as well so then his first game in cleveland ever is fifteen thousand plus <laughs> people so <laughs> wow. he was a little blown away he said he had never played in front of that many people and he he didn't know what it was like to feel all that energy and uh he definitely used it to score some goals <laughs> that's awesome that's really cool I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's it's good to see it's good for the organization it's good for the monsters that's neat today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, so the monsters are doing well. The jackets are—I don't know what's worse than treading. They're yeah. doing the, the the thing where they're treading water, but also like kind of bobbing down a little bit, and like they're they're trying to stay above water. Big game this week. I know we talked about it earlier, but I, I, it's really the big story for the jackets in the past. What when we talk about it, but it is the offense and the disappearing top line, and the the need for primary scoring again. Josh Anderson got a couple goals the other night against Vancouver. You saw PLD get on the score sheet as well. Panarin had a really nice pass on that um, PLD goal. So I, I, we, I mean, Vancouver. I don't know if you say it's coming back yet, but that that is definitely what it's going to take. I think we can only hope that beer uh, beer cures all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they they need they need to play like they did last night the rest of the way. They need to play yep. a straight ahead. Hard no, you know, I I know we we kind of bag on Torts for his grit and you know shot blocking and all that, but one of the key things he tends to preach is you know play straight ahead hockey, mm -hmm. and that's really what they're going to have to do the rest of the way. Is basically just go straight at the net, find a way to get greasy goals like you know what Josh Anderson's kind of been doing, but just play straight ahead, go at the goalie, and find a way to get that puck over the line. That's all you can do the rest of the way. Yeah, it seems so easy to think, like, why don't you just go to the net? Just go to the net, whether it's being in front of the net or just shooting it. And obviously, it's not, I guess it's not that easy because otherwise, it would just, every team would do it all the time. <laughs> but it just seems so obvious to just be like, if you're just, you need a goal, just throw it at the net. But 
Um, and I don't know. Obviously, they're NHLers. We're not. But, you know, it seems so easy sometimes. Even if it doesn't work, it's like, well, if you get 30 shots and you're just throwing it at the net. But, um, yeah, I was going to comment on Panarin, too, because I know a lot of people have been wondering what's happened to him lately. And he hasn't scored a goal in just about a month now. But, you know, over his last, let's see, five, six, seven games, I believe, he has, you know, assists like almost every other game. Mm -hmm. So, even though he's not scoring, he's still, you know, he's gotten assists in two of the last three and I think three of the last five and four of the last six. So it's like, you know, he's still contributing. Um, I don't really know what happened to him, I guess. But then again, you can say that for just about everybody on the, on the roster too. So, um, but he's got, you know, a couple of points now in the last couple of games. So obviously if Panarin... You know, whether it's Dubois getting that goal last night and breaking out again, or I don't know, fatigue play. I mean, I'm sure they're all fatigued at some point or at this point, but obviously you got to throw that to the window, out the window because, you know, it's a playoff push. But um, yeah, hopefully, you know, I was going to say the one thing they're not going to do is suck us back into thinking, oh, here we go again. But maybe, maybe us being doubters are going to actually prove us, prove something like, okay. Instead of getting our hopes up, now they actually will do something and get in that first round series. So we'll see. Yeah, I think uh, the Jackets and I mean and the Monsters—they're so similar that I feel like I can say the same thing about both of them. Um, they just need to keep it simple, and it sounds really cliche, but like we've all been saying, they need to put pucks on net, they need to crash the net, and be smart about their simple, like not get too fancy and just not think too much. I think. They get inside their heads a lot, and I'd like to see a little bit more of the one-timers and the the quick uh, quick passes and hard hits that these guys all can do, and I don't understand why they're not doing them. Right, like in the Edmonton game last week against... Yeah, in the Edmonton game last week, the Jackets generated one rebound chance in 60 minutes. Like, come on, guys, just... Go to the net, throw it on net and see what happens. It's I know I know it's probably harder than it sounds, but come on. One one rebound yeah. chance in 60 minutes is not good enough. Yeah, the the rebounds were killing the monsters for a little bit there. And uh, I don't I don't know why the picking up rebound bug bit them, but I'm OK with it. And I hope it starts transferring to the jackets, too, because there's so many times that like the puck is just sitting there right outside the crease, and you're like, if someone was to the other side, they could just have scored. It's frustrating. One thing that, that Portsline said, Portsline was on Sportsnet on Sunday night against Vancouver in the intermission, and he touched on this because we talked about this a lot last week. He said, he asked Jarmo Kekalainen about John Tortorella, and Jarmo said, according to Portsline, he's our coach. He's our guy. He's taken us to two straight playoff appearances. And then Portsline said, this is Portsline's opinion, but you know, if, you know, they were to flame out and not make the playoffs, this is the NHL. Anything can happen. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And then I was like, well, no, it's not because none of that means anything because of course that's what Yarmo's going to say. And of duh, like, but what I, what I did take away from that was I don't think two straight playoff appearances is anything to be excited about for where this franchise wants to be, especially if you're talking about a Jack Adams winning coach. So just to, just to kind of fill in some color based on what we talked about last week, I just, I just have been thinking about that since I heard that. 
I actually was thinking that um, I would feel really bad for Tortorella because I don't – I feel like every if we miss the playoffs, every bit of blame is going to fall on him. And it's just like we can't keep blaming the coaches over and over again for the Jackets not doing well. And but the same thing with management because we it's just the same result all the time. Sure. And I, I just hate blaming the people who haven't been here the whole time when we've had the same results. I just feel like he's going to take the brunt of it. Yeah, I, I, it's like obviously I've you know I've said I've, I've been a torts you know defender and I get some of the criticism lately as far as line use like player usage and how he's you know certain minutes maybe certain guys are getting but yeah it's like okay get a new coach in there maybe that does solve something but then again if you lose like half the veterans that are going to probably be gone then it's like okay you have that young team again that probably needs a torts in type influence so I don't know but again like you said you get a new coach in there I don't know that that solves anything because what's it solved before the one thing about Tortorella and yeah you're right Ryan about you know just because we've gotten to the playoffs it's like two years ago yeah that was great because we hadn't even been to the playoffs in consecutive years and it had been a few years before then but now it's like okay this team was primed to make somewhat of a run this year at least you know get out of the first round at least and again it's like you know, just being excited for the playoffs isn't enough anymore. That's why for me, anyway, going forward, I don't care how well they do in the regular season. You got to prove it in the playoffs, and they haven't done that yet. So, again, it's like on the one hand, you're right. Being excited about making the playoffs doesn't really cut it anymore. But just two years ago, we were just hoping for that because we hadn't even made it to that point yet. Well, I don't know if anyone could feel me through the uh, through the uh, through the podcast pulling my hair out over here, but I was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think someone has to answer for the jackets not making the playoffs and the coach is obviously the easiest one because he's the one who can be fired. You can't really fire a player who's under contract much as I would like to fire, say Brandon Dubinsky right now. Oh God, But yes. um, can't fire the owner. It's the saying goes right, right. So I think, I think part of the reason it has to fall on John Tortorella is this roster has been so talented for the last few years. It's not even just since the trade deadline. It's you've had Artemi Panarin for the last few years. Um, you've had, you've had Alexander Winberg's regress the last two years. And it's just been a maddening inconsistency uh, outside of that 10 game win streak after the trade deadline last season, the jackets have been a, they've played around eighth in the East outside of, like I said, that 10 game win streak. And that's, Given the talent on the roster, that's just not good enough. Um, I want to see someone else brought in who might be able to better utilize the talent. Now, if said talent walks away, I don't really know what you do there. But again, if if the team fails to make the playoffs and the worst case scenario does happen, I think it's going to fall on Torch's head just because someone will have to answer for the last two months of hockey yeah. here. I agree with that point and it's yeah, easier I mean, to it's, 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 it's it. easier to it's easier to put it on john tortorella because i don't think i don't think yarmo's going anywhere um i don't think ownership has shown any any like his, or any doubt in him and i think you know they just extended torts at the beginning of training camp like he was about to enter on his on the last year yeah. of his deal so i wrote a whole post they've already shown it, it. They, they signed him like yeah days yeah later. i remember that yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> they so they so they've already shown a hesitation to commit to Tortorella for the long term. So I guess we'll just see what happens here going forward. All right, let's go. we're running out of time. Let's go around for some final thoughts. Um I've got a final thought. It's uh, please beat Montreal on Thursday night and keep the season alive. That way we actually have some stuff to play for next week. And we're not just playing out the string on Tuesday night on national television against the Boston Bruins. That's right. Yeah, boy, that would be a huge home win on a Thursday. And that would be the saddest NBC Sports appearance. for. The- well, they've had a lot of sad NBC Sports appearances. in the- <laughs> sad, Especially yeah. because we got That's flexed true. into it. Right. Like, give them a reason to show right. us late in the season going forward. Oh, God. That'd be, that would be peak jackets. My Never final oh. thought is that Texier will be up next year and he will solve all of the jackets problems. Amen. Yeah, I don't know what French for amen is, but that's what I would say <laughs> as well. Yeah, I was just thinking, I don't know what Columbus's record on Thursday is anymore, but I know it's really good. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> um, I don't want to just say the same thing I always say, which is <laughs> win tomorrow one game at a time. But I mean, that's exactly what it always is, but... Especially for Columbus, you gotta you gotta beat the you gotta find a way to score a goal on the Islanders. They haven't scored a goal, I think, since December first. I might be wrong on that actually, but they've lost at least the last two games by shutout. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they, they they're what 0 three against them. So need to find a way to somehow solve the Islanders. And statistically, I'm doing the preview for that game tomorrow. They're actually ahead of the Islanders in a lot of you know the main categories. So it's like they should be able to find a way to at least get a win against them, you would think. But we'll see. But yeah, beat the Islanders. Hope that Montreal only gets maybe one point if, if you know, none. And uh, yeah, go forward and try to salvage the rest of the season. <laughs> go Jackets. Jeez, with a huge, hearty enthusiasm. <laughs> All right, that will just about do it for us. Uh, join us next week when we preview the final week of, of the regular season. I can't believe it's here already. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Go ahead and check them out. Our podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, and we're still working on that big news, so stay tuned for that. We want to thank everybody who has given us feedback, given us comments. Go ahead and leave a rating on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review. That, that helps us a ton. We thank you for listening. We welcome all of your feedback. You can tweet at us at CBJ Cannon. You can find all of us on the internet, various places as well, Twitter, all of that. And uh, go ahead and leave us comments on jacketscannon.com as well. From all of us at the Cannon, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. 
there's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles. And it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.